as the sun sets on the regular season. The postseason is here. Swinging fly to left. This should do it. Yelich is there. It's over. And the Brewers are Central Division champions. This is Brew October Nightly, presented by NX Wealth Management and sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Town Bank, a Wintrust Community Bank. Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. And now, here's your host for the most on the Brewers postseason, Matt Foley. It's beginning to feel a lot like playoff time. There's a little bit of cool air out there. If there wasn't playoff baseball around the corner, you might even say it's a little gloomy, but it's not gloomy. No, that's not gloom. That is the wonderfulness that goes along. Yeah, I'm making up words. The wonderfulness that goes along with all things playoff baseball. Welcome into the program. My name is Matt Pauly, Greg Matzik, Brian D. here as well. We've got you for the next hour till 7 o'clock as we continue to get set for the Brewers playoff opener. That's going to be coming up on Friday afternoon. Again, 337 first pitch, and that can't get here soon enough. Greg? Brian, a lot of activity at the ballpark today as uh, the Braves get to town and uh, workouts taking place. A lot of people speaking to the media. It's just it, the, the hustle and bustle certainly has picked up today. Yeah, and uh, they're starting to put some treatments on the field that get a playoff ready, too. I'm, I'm, I'm mesmerized anytime I'm watching a hose reel up. I don't know what it is, Yeah. by the way. <laughs> so the ground screw is hard at work here. But uh, it was interesting to be here today, Matt, because I think, I, and Brian, you were out here yesterday, it just... I don't know. There's something just a little different. And, and I don't want to say intense or hype or, you know, you've got the chills, but it just seemed like there's there's a level of looseness with an understanding of, like, here we go again. We're, we're going to do it this time. Like, it, just a belief along with guys just being kind of candid. You know what I think it is, too, Greg and Matt? It's, it's the fact that this isn't happening everywhere. Like, it feels special because it is special. Like, we're sitting in a major league ballpark, and there, I mean, you could count how many stadiums this is happening in on two hands at this point, right? So this isn't happening in 20 stadiums across Major League Baseball right now, and that makes it feel special that we're getting to experience a grounds crew preparing a field for a game one in a couple of days. It feels special because it is special, and we're getting closer and closer. Um, I am interested to see, and Matt brought up the gloomy weather right off the top of our show here tonight. The weather this weekend, I think, is going to make this feel weird because it's going to be gorgeous on Saturday. It's going to be like <laughs> 75 and partly cloudy for game two. Is the roof going to be open? It might for October baseball. Crazy. We can take bets. Can we take bets? You betting man, Matt? You betting Matt, Brian? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll put some shekels okay, or so, something on Okay, so, you know, it. we... The, there's a uh, there's a certain standard for when they have the roof open or not, and I think they don't have the roof open as often as they should. Do you think that threshold for closing it maybe drops a little bit in the playoffs? You don't get many opportunities to have roof open in the playoffs, so do you think they push it a little bit more in the postseason? I, I kind of feel like you need to make your home your home. Mm-hmm. And if it's 80 and a little bit muggy out, maybe it feels more like Atlanta when yeah. you got the roof open. Shut that thing, right? There's, Close, Turn off the lights, for goodness sake. There's a sound element, too, right? Like, when it's closed, it'll be louder in here, I think, for sure. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the other thing that I think pragmatically comes into play here is TV. 
and I think the TV, like TBS, will be erring on the side of let's close it because the lights will look better. It'll look better on TV if the roof is closed. I don't know. That's just like me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a radio guy. Why am I saying that? I have no freaking idea. But these are all the things that go through my head. I think it would be awesome if the roof was open. But, Greg, I think you're onto something there that it, it could give Atlanta more of a home field advantage here in Milwaukee for games one. Yeah, I don't want it to feel too much like Atlanta no, here, Matt. And it looks like the weather forecast could dictate that. Well, here's the more important thing as well. The Braves are a better home run hitting team than the Brewers. Ball flies more when the roof and panels are open, so maybe you close that thing up just to uh, limit the Atlanta home runs as well. See, now you're thinking. There mm-hmm. you go. We know Corbin doesn't give up too many, that's for sure, but uh, as this series goes on, you know, that is the amazing thing about playoff baseball. We, we watched it last night, so watching the Boston Red Sox play the, uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox actually hit home runs. The Yankees just, well, the announcer thought they home think runs they hit home runs and they go uh, on top of the monster. They did pop a couple, but you guys saw the same thing I did. Like, it, there is just, there's a home run and then there's a playoff home run. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it is so different. And you ride that energy. And it, it's a shame that, you know, here in Milwaukee against the Dodgers in the uh, NLCS a few years back, I remember Christian Yelich did a first inning bomb and it was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And this place was bananas. Yeah. So that kind of energy in the stadium. And home runs are going to be hit this series. There's no doubt about that. But I, they can really turn the tide in a playoff game. There's huge momentum swinging plays. And, and the one I think about from that playoff run was, was Brandon Woodruff's. Like, it, it was the shock of a pitcher hitting home run, a home run. And then, yeah, oh, by the way, this is happening in the NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? So, I mean, that that's going to be it. Whenever a pitcher goes deep, there's a certain energy that comes along with that. But when it happens in the NLCS in the most unlikely of moments, you're right. That type of moment can change the momentum, not just of a game, but of an entire series. Brian, you helped me lead right into where I want to go because somebody like Brandon Woodruff does have that experience. And there are a lot of players on this team that have good playoff experience, whether it's with the Brewers or whether, like with Colton Wong, it was with the Cardinals, with Willie Adamas, it was with the Rays. This is, for being a relatively young team, this is also a very playoff experience-filled team. And we always, one of those sports cliches, we all do it. We talk about the experience and how you know if you've got that team that's been through these things, then that's going to help them in the postseason. And, I, Greg, I thought it was interesting today because Craig Council talked about that. He kind of put into question whether or not players playoff experience actually does um, help th- help a team out uh, once you get into the postseason. It, it, it is an interesting it's an interesting thought. And I, I know Craig does not take the playoffs for granted. You know, 2020 feels the same as 2018, 2021, 2019. It all kind of feels the same uh, to him. And, of course, the Brewers had to use, I mean, how many players, for goodness sakes, to try and you know, get to the postseason, 61 total mm-hmm. players. So uh, every year is different, and as Craig Council will say, the soup tastes different. They've utilized the days off to their advantage, no doubt about that. The experience is an interesting it's an interesting thought, and, uh, and Council addressed that earlier today, specifically talking about pitching, because Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, they were used in a very different role in 2018, and they excelled with very little experience. I don't think it matters as much as we think it does because they all pitch great the first time they're in the playoffs. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it, you know, to say it, it means everything or it, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it does. I think we always like to say it. We, we love to say that experience matters. Um, but I, I, you know, these guys pitch great without any experience too. They're, they're great pitchers. And, and so we're going to lean on great pitchers. Um, 
Uh, that's uh, we think that's a pretty good formula. So uh, this is the interesting thing about the Brewers roster. And you mentioned Willie Adamas, Matt. You mentioned Colton Wong. We've talked about their playoff pedigree and what they've done. But all Brandon Woodruff knows is the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All, all Josh Hader knows is the playoffs. Right, the last few years and going back to Game One Sixty Three and his role in that game. I, same with Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta. They're young players, but this is year number four in a row now of being in the postseason. And, oh, by the way, Lorenzo Cain has a ring from the Royals here so, uh, in Yelich has playoff experience. So it does exist, but I, do you believe it's critical? Well, Craig gives you a reason, I guess, Matt, why it, it, it isn't necessarily. Um, but but you like to have it, I think, in the same respect. it's it, it. I don't think it can hurt. It's better than the alternative, certainly, right? Sure. Like, inexperience. And uh, Brendan Woodruff, one of the moments that sticks out to me from the 2018 run, guys, is I was here for game one of the NLDS against the Colorado Rockies that year. And Brandon Woodruff was getting the start. And I, I would imagine at that point in his career, it would have been his first playoff start. So he would have had the inexperience that we're talking about at that point. And sometimes the uh, in-stadium lineup of events doesn't align perfectly with the national television. So I remember Brandon Woodruff was warming up, and his intro song was Dixieland Delight at the time. And they played the full song like twice while he was warming up because they were waiting for national TV to jump on. So I'm sure... His palms were sweating like crazy just standing there in a stadium full of 43,000 people just wanting to get started and wanting that nervous energy to go away immediately with that first pitch because the inexperience was probably eating him alive in that moment, standing like, okay, everything's in my control. This thing doesn't start until I throw this ball. But he had to wait for five minutes, right, which felt, I'm sure, like an eternity. So it speaks to... Uh, inexperience being a negative, experience certainly being a positive. If he gets stuck on the mound for Game 2 on Saturday with, I think he's got like a Luke Bryan song now or something, I'm not sure. <laughs> Changed it up. If that plays three times, I think he's going to be a little more comfortable it, with it this Matt, time Matt, is that a bigger deal on the road, do you think? Hmm. It's good. I don't know. I, I actually, I've got this philosophy. I feel like home field, home court, home advantage I feel like it's just going away in sports. I, maybe that's a weird thing to say. And I think basketball, like college basketball, it's never going to go away. But, I mean, look at the NFL this season. The road teams have a really good record this year. We saw what the Brewers did this year on the road. I guess in general, I guess you could say that because of all – if you know, sometimes you open up the door for, like, anxiety, nervousness. So if you're – let's say the situation that Brian described plays out on the road. Well, if you already have a little something, and then all of a sudden you look up, and there's 40,000 people who really don't like you looking at you, well, then that can kind of raise the level of anxiety. But overall, I actually kind of think that the the idea of home field advantage doesn't mean as much now in sports as it used to. I, I hope you're wrong if it goes to a Game 5. <laughs> I hope you're wrong if it goes to a Game 7 in the CS uh, and the World Series. But, you know, you're right. The, the Dodgers series in the 2018 NLCS, it was just an incredible series. And the Brewers lost an opportunity here uh, early in that series. And then when it came back late, lost that opportunity. They, they had it, and I remember thinking to myself, well, here you go. This is, this is why you want that best record in the National League or, or in all of baseball. 
Uh, and it, I don't want to say it backfired, but the Brewers weren't able to leverage it in that particular series, I unfortunately. Think maybe what's changing to Matt's point, and I, I don't know that home field advantage is going away. It's certainly, like statistically, like Matt said, I mean, it, it's, it's changed for the better for road teams. I think maybe what's changed is the mentality of a professional athlete going into these situations where... I think athletes have gotten better at not getting overwhelmed when they're going into a raucous, hostile environment. Um, I don't know if there's off-the-field stuff that goes into that, but I think there's something to the galvanization of a team that can happen when it's just you guys, right? It's just you rolling into a road stadium and saying, we're all we got, so let's deal with this together. Um, and in some cases, there's more pressure on a home team trying to uh, perform and succeed in front of people that have that expectation. So uh, I don't know if, if Matt is right in that respect, but uh, it's going to play out here over the next couple of weeks, and we'll see if this home crowd at AmFam Field can carry the Brewers, at least in this series, where they will have home field advantage. I think in some ways the pandemic impacts it, because if you're a, if sure. you're a player, you would much rather be in a full house where nobody likes you than be in an empty house. Absolutely. And the other thing we don't think about is the stuff that happens outside the stadium. You know, like, if you're in Milwaukee as a brewer... You do get to sleep in your own bed, right? You do get to home, go home to your condo, to your apartment. That's a good thing because you're around the comforts of home. But it can also be a bad thing because we all have families and stuff going on in our lives, and we seem to forget that you know, even though they're baseball players, these people are people too. And maybe uh, you know, uh, somebody's you know, maybe Brandon Woodruff's dog pees on his leg at 5 a.m. like happened to Greg Matzik earlier this morning. Yeah, I got peed on at five o'clock right? this morning. That's so, the, that was the start of my day. That, that we'll I'm get sorry, into that. Maybe maybe we'll get into that <laughs> later. Maybe we won't. Uh, but it, like those things that can happen at home, generally speaking, get neutralized when you're on the road because you're just in a hotel. Unless you stay at the Fister, then you may have some ghost issues. But uh, I think some of the extra stuff that life can bring is neutralized when you go on the road because all you have to do is focus on baseball. So uh, you can debate this all day long, but uh, it, we're not going to know what happens until these games actually get played. No doubt. Yeah, there's so no many doubt. obligations, too, with um, you know ticket requests from family members mm-hmm. and making sure that the wife is taken care of and that the player, you know, all that. All that stuff that happens at home doesn't happen on the road. And, Brian, you're right. That. That impacts things. That 100% does impact things. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line if you want to uh, join the program. Uh, when we return, I'm, I'm starting to get a sense. I'm starting to get a feeling. Not so much in these first two games because with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff on the mound, it's, gonna, it's an opportunity for a conventional pitching situation for the Brewers. But when they get to game three and they get to game four, something's telling me that things, it might not just be putting Freddie Peralta on the mound in, in game three. It might just not be throwing Eric Lau or Adrian Hauser in game four. Something's telling me that it might look a little bit different. We'll discuss that next. It's Brew October Nightly. Annex Wealth Management is a proud sponsor of Brew October. It's time to know the difference. If you're ready to put things in order, so are they. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning as a local independent partner. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Friday afternoon, Brewers, Braves, Game 1 of the NLDS. 
Uh, don't go anywhere. We are going to have an opportunity not too long from now where you might just be able to win a couple tickets and be in the house at American Family Field coming up on Friday. My name is Matt Pauley, Greg Matzik, and uh, Brian D. at American Family Field. Guys, a week ago, I would have said that the Brewers were just going to do things very conventionally from a pitching standpoint, which is different than what they've done in the Craig Council era during the postseason. But I thought with the pitchers that they had, starting with Burns, going to Woodruff, going to Peralta, going probably to Lauer, maybe Hauser, and just kind of sticking with a four-man rotation, then, yeah, you might have some things where you've got, you know, if Hauser's not in the in the rotation, you can use him out of the bullpen. So that's a little bit different. I thought it was going to be somewhat conventional, but over the last few days, outside of Burns and Woodruff, I'm starting to feel like the creative juices might be flowing a little bit there in the mind of Craig Council, and there is a possibility that especially for games three and maybe four, we might actually see something a little bit different, a little bit wacky when it comes to the way pitching, including starting pitching, is used. I like wackiness, and I like Craig Council managing pitching staffs. Uh, He kind of hinted at that earlier today, Matt. You know, I think we've got a lot of good options. I, I don't think I don't think who starts the game is, is as important as getting 27 outs. Okay, it's a better standard line for Craig Council. He dove in a little bit more. I think some of the starters will play a factor in the bullpen. I don't think innings will be as defined as they were during the season. Probably the uh, best way to shape it for you guys. So I, I think that, that articulates your point rather well, Matt. So the first names that come to my mind are Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, and if, if you want to include Aaron Ashby there, I mean, he did start a game, but was they had eyes on him as a reliever once his, his he started to settle in and thought, well, he could be a really interesting piece in the postseason. He might be an eighth-inning guy. He might be a sixth- and seventh-inning guy uh, pitching a couple of innings. But but I think you're right here. But it, isn't that like the uh, the football coach who has has to put the best offensive line out, even though you're not starting a traditional right guard at right guard. Mm-hmm. You just got to get your five best out right. there. Yeah. I think that's the same process here because, you know, their, their first option out of the bullpen on a Tuesday night against, you know, the Reds is going to be different than, you know, if Woody can only make it five innings in game number two. Yeah, I think you hit on the key right there. There's a big if factor here, right? Like the the way these games go is going to predicate – how Craig Council uses his pitchers, right? Like, if Brandon Woodruff gives up five runs in the first inning of Saturday's Game 2, all of a sudden the way he has to approach not just the rest of that game but the rest of the series changes, right? But if Corbin Burns gives you eight scoreless on Friday, you are more equipped to deal with that situation, right? So, like, I don't think Craig Council has a plan one way or the other in terms of oh okay we're going to you know approach game 3 as an initial outgetter game that's going to be predicated by how games 1 and 2 go and if Freddie Peralta is rolling through the first 3 innings of game 3 he's going to stick with him like i i like i think Craig feels comfortable with the options that he has because they've proven themselves over the course of a 162 game season and that comfort lends itself to being able to do whatever the situations that the games bring up predicate so you'll have four different starters for the NLC NLDS. Is that how you view it, Matt? You think four different? I think so. Yeah, four different starters. So what is your thought for that fourth game? Let's say it does go a game four, and the idea of bringing Corbin Burns back for game five is uh, on the table. What do you do in game four? I'm still going Eric Lauer. I'm, I've got Adrian Hauser in the bullpen, and I've got Eric Lauer as my fourth starter. I actually think uh, not to not to torpedo your question, Greg. But I, I, for me, 
I think the game three start is the one that's actually more in question because let's say Burns or Woodruff does not go deep in game one or two. I would not be shocked to see Freddie Peralta pitching out of the bullpen in one of those two games. Or if he doesn't do that, here's we were going to do a segment earlier this week of uh, wacky predictions, and this was going to be mine. If we wake up on Friday morning and Brett Anderson is on the Brewers' playoff roster, and I think this is connected to Devin Williams not being around as well, I could see a scenario where in game number three, they start Brett Anderson with the idea that you're going to get one or two innings out of him, then they go to Peralta, so you have two completely different style of pitchers where the Braves will set the lineup for for one, and all of a sudden you gain an advantage from the other, and maybe between those two, you get seven innings, and that helps you a little bit on the backside. So I don't think there's much of a question. To me, I think Eric Lauer is your game four starter. I think game three is where maybe the questions start to come in. Well, I don't want to speak this scenario into existence, but let's flip it and say the Brewers are down two games to one going into Game 4. Are you comfortable pitching Corbin Burns on short rest? I would. He hasn't done it all year. I know, but he hasn't been in an NLDS all year. That would be ultra short rest. Dude, that would be the fourth day. Right. But well, I guess you're, but, fifth but day, you're on the road down 2-1. Yeah. Right? And you don't have it tomorrow. Like these are the situations that Craig Council has to deal with. I'm a thousand percent doing it. I'm not rolling out Eric Lauer for a must-win game on the road with my season on the line. Are you crazy? No, of course not. I'm pitching Corbin on short rest and dealing with the ramifications. Short rest is a really scary thing. Look, we all remember like the great pitchers and the great moments and, and guys coming back on short rest. But if you really dig in on the numbers, when pitchers pitch on short rest in the playoffs, more often than not, it does not go well. And Eric Lauer did not have a great final uh, start. But he was one of the best pitchers in the National League over the last month and a half, two months. By some metrics, Eric Lauer was the best pitcher in the National League over the final uh, month and a half or so of the season. I'm a big believer in you dance with who you took to the prom, and Eric Lauer was a big part of what this team did. I don't... I don't bypass him for short rest. And you know what? If you if you lose that game and Corbin Burns never pitches in it and you end up losing in four, then there's a lot of second guessing. But, Brian, I would, I would actually disagree with you on this one. I think, to me, the, the gamble of short rest is a bigger gamble than the gamble of using Eric Lauer. I would be – and to double back on a different point you made, Matt, um, and, and you said if, so you're not – I don't think you're predicting this. I would be shocked if Brett Anderson is on the NLDS roster. I, I, he has no business pitching in the postseason, I don't believe. I agree with you, and I agree with you not only because he was clearly not uh, the greatest pitcher for the Brewers this year all season long. I agree with you because of what Brett Anderson said about Brett Anderson after Brett Anderson's final start of the season. That is true. I don't know if he's believing that he's going to be. Who knows? He literally but. said, I don't expect to pitch in the postseason. Like, that's that's not Craig Council saying it. That's not David Stern saying it. That's Brett Anderson saying it. So I think that's probably been communicated to him that his season is done and if that is the case, he probably hasn't been working out uh, regularly enough to be a, a, a legitimate option this week leading into these important playoff games. So I think I think that ship well, has sailed. Injuries could change that, of sure. course, Matt. Right? But I, for the DS, I just I don't see it. I don't see it fitting in the DS. You probably so here's have where it started. Player. Here's where it started to pop up in my head because he started that final game of the season completely unexpectedly out of nowhere 
and he did it on short rest. And look, I can, I'm very good at looking too deep into things just overall in life. That's maybe something I need to work on a little bit. But the moment that I saw Anderson starting that final game of the season on short rest, the thing that popped into my head is they're testing him to see how he responds to a short rest situation. This is not just they, they just need one more inning from a guy, so they're just going to throw Anderson out for the final game of the season. To me, that felt like it was just a little bit more. I, see, I looked at it the opposite way, protecting everybody else. <laughs> put, put Anderson out there. Anderson, get in there and pitch. We need you. That's exactly how I looked at it. And maybe that's a little short-sighted, uh, you know, without the uh, the deeper thought on it. I just, I guess I, I, I put it in my head, well, this is going to be it. Yeah. After he put it out there, Brian, like you said, he yeah. put it out on Twitter, like right. this might be it, yeah. and I kind of bought into that. I, I'm curious how our fans would feel about this. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open, 855-616-1620, and producer Greg Hill is back in the studio. Gee, let's get this up on Twitter as well as a Twitter poll. Would you be comfortable? Let, let's paint that Corbin Burns scenario. That's what I'm curious about. If the Brewers are down 2-1, Going into game four, would you want Craig Council to throw Corbin Burns on short rest? I unequivocally say yes. Matt unequivocally says no. Craig, I don't I don't know where you fall. Uh, well, I, I certainly hope the Brewers aren't there. But, uh, <laughs> Me too. It, it kinda, it, I, I think Matt raises a really interesting point. It does sort of depend who you put on the mound in game three. Mm. Um, and that that could be a swing game. It could be a, you know, I, it, it could be the game that, Takes you on to the NLCS. It could be the game that ends your season. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's it, it is intentional that Craig Council has not said anything about Game Three just of course. yet. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if because it was a three-headed monster all season long. If Freddie Peralta was a shoe-in as your Game Three starter, he would have already been announced as the Game Three starter. That doesn't mean he's not going to start Game Three. That means that I, I don't believe it's been decided. Yeah. I'm with you. And why would you, right? There's no benefit in doing that. Just kind of see how things shake out. Yeah, because then you give the Braves the opportunity to do more advanced scouting on who they're going to face, and you don't know. Like, we've talked about how these first couple of games are going to play out, and that could ultimately change your approach. I was in Los Angeles for the NLCS in 2018, and I was part of Craig Council's every pregame conference, and they were trying to figure out, like, well, what are you doing for, you know, this game, that Mm -hmm. game? How's it going to work? And Craig was really coy with his answers. He was just evasive and... I remember walking out of there with Adam McCalvey saying, something's up here, man. Like, yeah. just, something's different. And then as, as Wade Miley was trotting out to the mound, I could see somebody already warming up in the bullpen yeah. before he even walked out to take the mound. It's like, something is happening here. So that's just how Craig does it. It's a little different because the strength of this team is starting pitching. It wasn't necessarily the case in 2018. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean Craig's going to be any less creative. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And you know what? We have a pair of tickets to give away for Friday's playoff opener at American Family Field. This is your chance to qualify. You got to call right now. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. When we come back, we are going to play a famous highlight from Brewers postseason history. We are then going to ask you a multiple choice question live on the air. And if you get it right, you qualify. If not, 
We go to the next caller. So callers, get lined up right now, 855-616-1620. We will do that in just a moment. And by the way, that qualifies you. You don't win the tickets for sure. That qualifies you. We're getting six qualifiers, uh, and then we will uh, make the announcement uh, coming up on Wisconsin's morning news tomorrow. So this gets you qualified. I may have misspoke. This gets you qualified. This doesn't get you winning, but it gets you one step closer to being inside the ballpark coming up on Friday. We'll do that next here on Brew October Nightly. This is Brew October Nightly, presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Town Bank, a Wintrust Community Bank, and Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. I'll tell you what, we've got fantastic partners. You just heard them. Annex Wealth uh, Management, Boucher Automotive, Town Bank, a Wintrust Community Bank, and Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. They are trying to get you in the house coming up on Friday at American Family Field for the Brewers playoff opener. We're going to play a little game here. Here's how it's going to work. In a moment, we're going to play a famous highlight, and then we're going to talk to some folks on the air. If you win, don't get so excited that you hang up the phone because Greg has to come back around and talk to you and get your information. So if you win, stay on the line. That is a very important part of this. And if you win, you are qualified. You're one of six qualifiers to win a pair of tickets for Friday. So here's the deal. We're going to play a famous highlight from Brewers postseason history. Then we've got a multiple-choice question. If you get it right, you qualify. Greg, let's start with the highlight. Winning run at third. The 0-2. Swing the line drive. Base hit right field. Mike Moustakis on a two-strike pitch. Lines a single to right, and the Brewers have taken game one in the division series. Oh, baby. One of, my, of all my, uh, I've been, you know, I've been covering, uh, the Brewers, and I believe this is my sixth or seventh year doing this. That might be my favorite moment, uh, in my time. So that was in 2018. How many wins did the Brewers have that regular season, 2018? We'll start with Kimberly in Milwaukee. Hi, Kimberly. Hi. Okay, so I'm going to, this is multiple choice. You don't have to just pull a number out of the air. Here are your choices. 2018, how many wins the Brewers have? You can go 95, 96, 97, or 94. I'm going to say 96. That would be correct. Congratulations, oh, Kimberly. Yeah, you did it. Let's go, Kim. <laughs> You're going to the World Series. Oh, wait a minute. No, different rules. Sorry. Oh, come on now. Don't keep me like that. <laughs> so, Kim, Kim, here's the deal. We're going to raffle these tickets off tomorrow morning during Wisconsin's Morning News. I get to make the lucky phone call to our winner, so be by your phone tomorrow morning, and if you see it buzz, I want you to be over the moon excited because you're going to be coming to the ballpark this weekend. Charge Sound the good? battery. Charge so the battery. What, get some, what time get a good is that? Sleep. So I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. Oh, what time will that be? Probably sometime, um, I would Jean... guess, between between 7 and 8 a.m. Okay. All right, okay, perfect. I'll just have to hey. tell my principal that I can't come to the meeting. Yeah, no, it, what, it's abs- <laughs> what you do is you get your phone out and you say, here's the deal, and then if Brian calls, you, if the phone rings, you put it on speaker and let everybody relish let in your kids, moment. Yeah, let the kids scream. We're cool oh, with that. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah see, I'll be in a got... set. It'll be fine. I- I'll be ready. Perfect, Kimberly, Kim, where I are you a teacher to... at? I'm a teacher at Mount Calvary Lutheran School on 53rd and Locust. Sweet. Okay. Well, thank you for being a great teacher. That's awesome, and I, I hope I get to talk to your class. Selfishly, I hope you're the winner tomorrow. I hope we get to talk to the kids tomorrow between 7 and 8. I don't think you're allowed to say that with the rules, Brian. Really? You can't. 
<laughs> I, I have no control over who we I pick. I'm just, I can root. I can be a fan. You can have a root. <laughs> We're pulling for you, Kimberly. <laughs> Stay on the line, Kimberly. I'm fan. Okay. Awesome. For official contest rules, by the way, visit WTMJ.com. All right, Brian, go to WTMJ.com and go find out if you just broke the rules. Okay, I probably did. But once again, I have no, I have no, uh, I'm, I'm not choosing the winner. I'm just calling the winner. You're in for the moment, Correct. right? You just, yes. that, that sounds like a nice, fun, yes. moment. I'm kind of just hanging out in the bullpen and the manager yeah. says, here's, here's when you go into the game, do your thing, right? So I have, I have no control over who actually wins the Brewers tickets. We've been qualifying people all day long. I wasn't even listening to like Wisconsin's afternoon news next to Greg this afternoon. I don't know who won on that show. So uh, I, I'm curious to see who wins. I'm excited for whoever wins this awesome contest and gets to come to this game this weekend. Yeah, this is uh, this is a whole lot of fun. Uh, last night, the wild card game in the American League, the National League wild card game going on tonight. Red Sox over the Yankees, six two. So if you don't really include the wild card game as the playoffs, if to you the playoffs begin when the uh, divisional series begin, the American League playoff field it is set. White Sox, Astros, and then Red Sox, Rays. Those are the two games that are going to be taking place tomorrow. I thought it'd be kind of fun, and I know, Greg, you were in it. We'll do this tomorrow with the National League, but today we're going to do this on the American League. As we look and kind of prognosticate how things play out, how would you power rank the American League, those four teams that are going into their ALDSs tomorrow? How would you rank them? Well, that's a good question. I, I think the Rays are lights out. I do, too. I mean, every time yeah, I watch I that too. team and I think they're going to be just like a flash-in-the-pan, small-market team, it's like, no, they did with with a modest payroll, they just keep, they keep finding young stars and developing. And then, you know, Blake Snell leaves, so you figure, well, they're going to take a little step back in their pitching. Well, no, not really. I, that team... That team always seems to be one you can't root out. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Royals a few years back under Ned Yost. It's like they just they don't die, man. They just keep coming at you. Uh, I, I think Houston is marvelously talented. Uh, for as much as I don't like the White Sox, they've got they've got a lot of that can absolutely mash too. But I'm putting the Rays at the top of that list. I just I don't really find many holes. And then just what I've watched the last year, including last season. It, it feels like a carbon copy of what I watched a year ago. 100%. And Greg, Matt, and I talked about this on last night's show uh, during our walk-off segment about uh, other likable teams in the playoffs outside of the Milwaukee Brewers. They've got a likability to them, too, that makes you want to pull for them. And I don't know if it's Brett Phillips, the former Bruin, his goofy laugh, or uh, the Cinderella run they went on last year that, that culminated with them and Willie Adamas getting all the way to the World Series with that team. I don't know what it is, but they seem likable. Even though they play in a trash ballpark, even though they've kind of been a bottom feeder of the AL East at certain points of their existence, they're fun to root for. So I would sign up in a heartbeat for a Brewers-Rays World Series. I think that'd be fantastic. There's no, like, I don't know how you view it, Matt, but there's, like, no frustrating historical, you know, significance to the Rays, right? There's nothing you point back to and say, that's why I don't like the Rays, right? I mean, this was a struggling, lovable loser group. Uh, for so many years, and they've been able to turn it around in a small market. Boston, polarizing team. Houston, they grew a lot of enemies in the last year plus. And the White Sox, well, former Brewers division rival back in the day, uh, managed by everybody's least favorite manager, Tony La Russa. So easy to root against. So, uh, But I just, I, I think the Rays are an entertaining team. They're fun. I think they do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got the wins to prove it, Matt. 
Yeah, I think I, I would go Rays, White Sox, Astros, Red Sox. Uh, I think Rays, White Sox, Astros all have legit World Series aspirations. The Red Sox, to me, are the team that's clearly a little bit different than, than the other three. To the point about the Rays, so first off, uh, if you want to take one issue with them, and this has nothing to do with them as an organization, it's just there's so many great baseball towns that don't get a team like the Rays, and you've got a market that doesn't support that team. So that's always a bummer for me that you've got that kind of baseball and you're not filling up a ballpark. But to your point, Brian, so when when you're a small market team, and this absolutely applies to the Brewers as well, when you are a smaller market team, when you don't have the financial resources of the Red Sox, of the Yankees, of the Dodgers, it becomes incredibly important that any advantage that you can get, you go take it. And one of those advantages in baseball is having a group of guys who all like each other, that there's a good clubhouse, that everybody wants to pull for each other. The Royals, when they went to -to back-to-back World Series, that was an incredibly likable team. The Rays are incredibly likable. The Brewers are incredibly likable. It is not a coincidence that the small market teams that have success also happen to be filled with a bunch of guys that you can root for. So something just happened here at American Family Field. Somebody hit a home run, right? E- either Greg and I just had a seizure or they were toying around with these stadium lights here at a Fam Field. I think what happened, you, you know guys how uh, a- a- after the Packers have scored touchdowns, they mess with the lights, they turn off the stadium lights and turn them on and almost make it feel like a disco ball. Yeah, a little Lambeau strobe field. effect. Yeah, that's what, they, that's what just happened here at Fam Field in an empty ballpark at 645 on Wednesday night. We saw the lights flash like somebody just hit a home run. So maybe a little preview into what's going to happen for Brewers' home runs this postseason. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they were doing that during the regular season, were they? Uh, they, they were, but I, that, that might have been for uh, for Stephanie Sutton for Channel 12, sure. like her walk-off. She just finished a stand-up for yep. TV, and yep. that might have been her walk-off Absolutely. thing. So yep. uh, that makes sense Good to call. me. Good call. I, uh, yeah, I, or something like did, that. Did, how dark did it, did it get? Very. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it kind of made you wonder if there was really some sort of power outage, but all the lights that are on the field right now, like literally pointed down on the field, these big, you know, wheeled out deals that uh, shine in the outfield, help grow grass somehow. What if it could help me grow hair? Uh, those stayed on. I think the those chip stayed on. sailed. But like, for a while, Matt, it was me, Brian, two guys reeling up a hose and then a leaf blower. And now the hose guys and the leaf blower guy have left, so it's, it's really just Brian and me. Mm-hmm. So we might... We might take matters into our own hand. If you see us on the field, we might go run the bases. After don't this. call anybody. Yeah, I was at the ballpark on Saturday and Sunday. I thought it was interesting. So, I, on the first base line, there's the big painted logo. I think it says MLB postseason. That's that's correct. Mm-hmm. Is that right? They postseason. painted that's that there. absolutely. Yeah, they painted that on Saturday which I thought was kind of odd because there's still some mowing and things like that that they were clearly going to be doing. They did that six days before the postseason actually got started. I'm sure they can touch it up, but that's how early they were getting ready. That MLB postseason logo, it was painted on the field on Saturday. You know, I think the reason they did it, it it probably has to do with all the TV cameras I saw here today, right? The more postseason, and they'll touch it up, right? I would have to imagine. But uh, a lot of TV cameras out here today, as you might expect, just trying to grab a shot of anything. But the postseason stuff, 
it definitely shines. It does. It does. It, it, it pops. It looks beautiful. And we got into a discussion uh, before we came on the air about which grounds crew role would be most intriguing to have. I personally would err on the side of anything with a hose, but I think in second place would be the guy that gets to spray. Wait, can you explain why? Like, oh, it's just therapeutic. You know okay. what I mean? It's, Good. You know, just yeah, the guy that tamps down the infield dirt. Yeah. I don't know why they do that, but it, like, it doesn't seem necessary. But it seems like a great role. He's just out there, just cruising around, and he's got like he's the leader of an entire team of people too, because that hose is not light. So he's got oh, six no. six guys behind him holding up the hose while he gets to be the leader of the charge actually spraying the dirt. I want to be that guy. But number two, I think, would be the guy that gets to uh, spray paint the logos. I think that would be oddly therapeutic as well. I've done a time lapse on that while at spring training, and that was kind of neat to watch. Uh, give me a lawnmower any day. I want to make the pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do. I want to be responsible for what sort of pattern you see from afar in the outfield grass. So just to clarify, you want to be an outfield guy, not the infield guy that drags the dirt and goes around in circles. Yeah, I mean, anything where I'm, you know, riding on top of something, I'm, I'm down with that. Give me a motor, an engine, and, you know, a cocktail or whatever, and I'm sure. good. Uh, but I, I'd like to be in the outfield just kind of making that whole thing happen. Matt, where do you stand? You guys just, you guys just answered the question, tell me you've never worked in baseball without telling me you've never worked in baseball. Because as somebody <laughs> who spent 10 years working in minor league baseball, who has done God knows how many tarp pools at God knows what I, I can remember getting a phone call from my general manager in Burlington, Iowa, at 4 in the morning, that rain is about to come, get to the ballpark now, we have to pull tarp, uh, having been on the infield before games uh, with a hose, needing to get done as quickly as possible so I can run up and do the broadcast. Having done all those things, I am ready to put all of that and keep all of that in my past. You just want to watch it? <laughs> you just yeah. watch it happen. So I, I have a question. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, here we go again. Oh, we're back. Lights we're, are the, going. The lights going crazy. <laughs> Son of a gun. Uh, I have a question before we hit a break here and do our walk-off segments. Uh, much in the vein of the question, why is there a box office at Lambeau Field? That's just, that never made sense to me because they don't sell tickets, right? Like, what is what do the people in the box office do? Well, will call. Well, that, that's will call. They have a box office for summer. They have like a ticket office at Lambeau Field. If you ever think you're not worth anything in life, just think about the fact that there's a box office at Lambeau Field. That's crazy. In the same vein, I believe there's a tarp here at AmFam Field yep. for Lord knows oh, yeah. what reason. Why? What does that do? Uh, what, weren't you here when they had those leak issues? No. That was funny. No, they do put a tarp on the field. They had it on today, and they they pulled it right in front of, like, home plate, and they just do that kind of stuff. I, they don't want the balls pounding into the dirt sure. during batting practice. But I'm saying they have a full ring tarp. Oh, I know. I, I, I think mainly it's for advertising. Some of those, I don't okay, even that, know if this one's advertising, but, but some have advertising on it. It's another space to advertise. I'm going to go check to see if it's got an advertising go. that's, on it. That's as good of a Hang reason on. as I could have come up with. Greg's going to walk down and get a better vantage point of the useless Amfam Field tarp. Don't quote me on this. It may be a Major League Baseball requirement that you have a tarp. It's a requirement you have a tarp? Uh, Greg says there's no advert uh, on the tarp. It's just yeah, a useless I think there's, tarp. I think it's a Major League Baseball reti- requirement that you do have a tarp. That's insane. We've got a roof. We've got a roof tarp. That works. <laughs> that that does work. But what if the roof breaks? All of a sudden, you can't close the roof. You need the tarp. Look, if the roof breaks, we got bigger problems for sure. Like, if the roof starts falling on the field, I think we're not playing baseball. <laughs> the Confirmation from Scott Warris, 
who will be heard on WTMJ from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Major League Baseball mandates that any stadium without a fixed roof must have a tarp. Mm, Interesting. So a dome stadium, like a pure dome. Where is there a pure dome in baseball? Like Tropicana Field, Toronto? the home of our, yeah, Tropicana our Field. beloved yeah. Rays. Uh, they yep. don't have a tarp. Okay, there you go. Cool. That's, that's tarp talk here on Brock. Tarp talk. Let's get that sponsored. 855-616-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is Brew October Nightly. Brew October Nightly is back. Presented by Annex Wealth Management. And sponsored by Boucher Automotive. Town Bank. A Wintrust Community Bank. And Delta Dental. Wisconsin's number one dental plan. Starting to put the final touches on this edition of Brew October Nightly, but we cannot, we cannot get out of here without today's edition of the walk-off. Walk it off, big guy! He just hit a walk-off, and the Brewers have walked off the Tigers, and the Brewers have walked it off against the Cubs. Walk it off, buddy! All right, our question today as we will go through the roundtable. In a normal regular season game, there's a, there's very much a routine to Brewers baseball for many people. You get to the ballpark, you tailgate for a little while, you know what, maybe you even miss first pitch, you make your way into the ballpark, you spend some time sitting in your seat, but you also spend some time walking around the concourse, you got some friends who are sitting out in left field, you go say hello to them, it's a very loose, casual atmosphere. Well, in the postseason... You want to be in there before first pitch. You never know what might take place on the field prior to the game. Every pitch matters. That's, that's, there's a, that much more intensity to it. So, Greg, Brian, the question is, do you, should you, will you, should fans out there be changing the routine when it comes to going to a playoff baseball game? There's such a different element to playoffs where – I, it, the Deer District was nuts during the Bucks' playoff run. It was a great spot to be. The weather was great. So it took a minute for fans to get inside. In Phoenix, it was 110. Mm-hmm. As soon as the gates opened, people were inside. So yeah. there is a baked-in atmosphere right from the get-go. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens here on Friday, because it, it's supposed to be pretty good weather uh, for, for the weekend. you got to build in a little extra time, right? Build in a little extra time. If you're going to soak it in, Truly soak it in. Mm-hmm. Get here when the gate's open. You're already bailing on work. Get that half day out of the way. Give yourself ample time. Give yourself a little more time to do everything that day. Because I, I've noticed this, both as a fan and as someone who covers games, it, it always just takes longer to get settled on it playoff does. days. Like I get here, I'll get here at noon, probably a little before that, and I'll be, I feel like I'm chasing around and I'm like finally sitting as Enrico Palazzo singing the national anthem. Mm-hmm. There are three quick rules for fans that I would say when it comes to playoff baseball. Number one, shorten the tailgate and get into the ballpark for first pitch and and see all the festivities and the anthem and everything that happens before a playoff game. That's number one. Number two, never get up for bathroom or concession while your team is hitting. All of the Mm. epic playoff baseball moments happen when your team is on offense. You don't want to miss those. So if if you have to go to the bathroom or get another beer or another brat, do it while your team is pitching. That's rule number two. And rule number three, there is no leaving your seat after the seventh inning stretch. <laughs> Period. 
I don't care if you got to hold it. I don't care if you got to pee your pants at that point. If you need another beer, last call for a beer is last call for you leaving your seat. Nothing good happens at a playoff baseball game when you leave your seat after the seventh inning because you're going to miss a gigantic, unforgettable moment. So those are my three rules. Get inside early. Only leave your seats uh, during the top half of the inning if you're at home, and then don't leave your seat after the seventh inning stretch. I can't top that. That was amazing. It, Everything you said just is spot to, on. Just to augment what each of you said when it comes to getting there early, I can tell you that I see on social media, on those on those big bobblehead days on Sundays, I see so many complaints from people about how long the lines are outside of the ballpark. Part of that's on you. Like Get get there early. When I, If you're getting there around the time gates are opening, the lines are not that long. You can get in. But uh, there are going to be, it's going to be a full house, full security, full everything. Thing. If you think that you can leave your tailgate 15 minutes before first pitch and be in there, you are wildly, wildly incorrect on that one. That is going to do it for this edition of Brew October Nightly. For Greg Matzik, for Brian D., I'm Matt Pauley. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow night for another edition of the program as we get set for Friday's playoff opener.